you didn't know, and I'm hoping that you do because uh, we've been doing this for a few weeks now, we are in our series called American Idols, and we've been looking at modern idols uh, in America, right? Or like in today's society. And so we've looked at a few different things. We started with self, and then we talked about money, and then last week we talked about relationships, and then this week we're talking about a pretty deep and sensitive subject, okay? Like I'm not, and you guys know, I've been very open with you guys since the beginning that I do not shy away from hard topics to talk about or things that maybe other people don't want to talk to youth about or that would embarrass people. Um, literally, I have very little awareness of embarrassment. Like people always talk about that feeling and I'm like, I do not know embarrassment, okay? So it doesn't bother me to talk about these things because in reality, we have to understand that these are not just these awkward things that we don't want to talk about, but these are very legitimately biblical principles that we must understand if we desire to live a life fully and completely de devoted to God, following his plan for our life and, and fulfilling his will for our life. So tonight... We are talking about sex. That had no reaction. I thought that was going to be like at least like one person like, hee hee, like, or so, I don't know. But anyway, so tonight, tonight, some of some people in here are, um, <laughs> anyway, so tonight we're going to be talking about sex and we're going to be talking about, uh, like realistically why this is such an idol in our culture today. And we're going to really kind of look at the reasoning behind that, uh, why it shouldn't be in the way that it is and what the Bible actually says about sex. Because let me tell you right now, there are a lot of misconceptions about what the Bible actually says about sex. So, um, you know, like I said, this is something that a lot of times you won't hear pastors and preachers talk about a lot. You know, they won't go uh, in depth on the subject. They'll try to like just say, oh, the Bible says don't have sex before marriage. Okay, moving on. Like, but tonight we're really going to look at this subject and we're going to talk about it. Um, so I, I kind of, whenever I wrote this series out, this American Idol series, I put the different, um, the different idols that I wanted to talk about. And then I kind of gave each one a caption that, that kind of summarized what I was going to talk about. And for this one... I put sex, why, or what we think we want. And so this really got me thinking about why do we want this so bad? Like, why is this something that is so coveted in our society? And, and let, me, let me give a quick disclaimer before we get started, because I understand, like, one of the important things about being a youth pastor is to understand the demographic of students. And so actually you hear me talk about this a lot, but a lot of times I do research and I read studies and things about what's going on in the lives of teens today. And you've probably heard me sprinkle things like that in there. And it's, it's one reason why I love giving you guys those surveys so much is because I'm interested by that stuff. But, um, but I, I understand realistically that knowing the demographics and knowing the statistics of, of teens and sex rates and everything like that, that there is a high probability, if not a certainty, that some of you in here 
have had sex before. And so what I want to say before we even get started is a quick disclaimer of like, if that is you and you're sitting here and you hear me talking about like how the Bible is, says that you shouldn't be doing that or something, I, I don't want you to think that I am doing this from a place of like, of hate and condemnation and thinking that you're a horrible person because that is so not the case, okay? I, I'm trying to show you what the Bible says about that so that from this point moving forward, you can live your life to the best of your ability to serve God, okay? Because God has forgiven any past errors, past mistakes, and so it would be foolish of me to not do the same, okay? So this is not a condemnation on anything you may have done prior to tonight, but this is a, a look at how we can live our lives to serve God to the best of our ability moving forward. <clears throat> so when we were looking, whenever I started looking at this topic and this idea of why do, why do people, why do teens, why do young adults, why, why do people in general think that they have this just insane desire to seek uh, sexual activity? And, you know, I, I was really thinking, why is this such a big deal in our society? And I think that we can all agree that this is one of the most discussed topics outside of church. Like, really, church is the one place where that this is not talked about that much. But why do we care so much about this? And, and honestly, and, and I'm not one, like, it feels like ever since COVID happened, like, everyone's, like, getting really conspiracy theory about media and what they're putting out there and everything. And, and I think there's some truth to, like, we really need to be careful about what we're consuming on the media. But realistically, the media, not just like news outlets, but TV shows and video games and music and everything like that, they have a large influence on our society today, right? What you consume is what you produce. And, and so like there's actually, there's actually a scripture where Jesus is teaching in the Gospels where he says what goes, into, what goes into your heart will overflow from your heart. And so when we look at this idea of the amount of content and discussion and desire for sex show, portrayed to us through TV shows and music and video games and things like that um, is so overwhelming that you can't hardly watch anything without there being some desire or reference to sex. And I remember from whenever I was in high school and, and going throughout my day talking to my friends or it's been well documented that I played basketball and I was in the band and like uh so like in those contexts like the this idea of locker room talk right like guys would talk about different things or in the band room people would talk about different things and and so like I remember my high school high school experience and how like Often that was put in front of me and discussed in front of me. And I can only imagine, because we've always looked at how things have progressed since my generation to yours, that like my high school, high school experience has been multiplied <laughs> to what you guys are experiencing. And so I can't even begin to understand how often this topic, how often this subject is like not just put in front of you, but constantly on your minds and you're thinking about it throughout the day. <clears throat> and, you know... Between that being something that is constantly discussed at your school and with your, in your social groups and with your friends, and then when you go home, it's something that's constantly on social media, on TV shows, in movies. Like literally all day long, you're bombarded with this idea to think and to desire and to want uh, to, to crave sex. 
And so I started to think, which I love sitcoms. If you guys don't know, like, I don't like scary, suspenseful movies and TV shows. I like funny stuff. Like, that's just, uh, that shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. But, like, I like sitcoms for what TV shows I want, I watch. And whenever I think about pretty much any sitcom, you could turn it on. Like, almost every sitcom has a character that's, like, devoted to, like, obsessing over sex in, in most sitcoms. And if, if there isn't that character, then th- this, this topic or this idea or, or one of the characters in the show having a desire to have sex with another character in the show or some, you know, just really anyone is very prevalent in almost every TV show, if you really think about it. And our, and our society and our world around us is trying to is working so hard to fill our mind and convince us that sex is what we want. And, and I think the crazy thing is it's starting to win, right? Like when we, when, if I were to just, if I were to take Christianity off the board and say like, okay, like I'm going to give you a magical potion and you will be married to someone like, would you want to have sex with them tomorrow? I would think most people in here would be like, yeah, of course, you know, like, because we are just so taught and ingrained and and focused on this idea of seeking that out and desiring it and and sadly i think that most of our country if not our world has fallen into this trap of thinking that sex is what we want and and i fear that some of you in here or in this church have also fallen into this trap And, and we think that it's it'll make us cooler or it'll make us more mature or more grown up. Like I, I remember the stigma whenever I was a teen was like, you're not a real man until you've had sex. We've all probably heard that to some, or some derivative of that, that like you're not a real man or you're not a grown up or you're not an adult. Or you think that maybe it'll make the person that you like, like you more if you will give them that. And, and let me just tell you something right now. First of all, all those things are lies. But if you think that someone's going to like you more because you have sex with them, they only like you because of what they're getting from you, not because of who you are. Someone doesn't magically start liking you more because of something like that. And so don't fall into these lies that the world tells us about desiring sex. And, and, you know, it's not. and, And here's the crazy thing. And again, I'm I'm a big statistics nerd and I love to look at this stuff. And and sadly, our our world and our society has shifted because of the amount of technology we have that that it's not just physical experiences that we crave anymore. It's virtual experiences. And if you if you don't believe me, you have to understand how big and how massive the pornography industry is into the fact that they have they have. I don't know if you guys knew this, but. Sports teams have naming rights to their stadium. You know, like it's a pretty big deal. And there was a, a, a pornographic website that tried to buy the naming rights of the football stadium in New Orleans recently. They have a lot of money. The, these, these stadiums are normally bought by like major companies like Cadillac and things like that. And so the fact that that industry is so booming that they were wanting to name a stadium after it should be eye-opening to many of us. And if you look at the statistics, it actually says that over 90, and it's actually a little over 90% of teenage boys 
admit that they regularly look at pornography. And recently, within the last five years, the amount of teenage girls actually went over 50%, which is crazy because usually we think of that as being something that, that boys are you know, addicted to or struggle with. But it, realistically, it's both genders struggle with the same idea of craving these virtual experiences of sex. And guys, all this does is it creates an, an unrealistic expectation of physical relationships. Like it, it, it does nothing good. It provides nothing good for you. And it may feel good in that moment. It may give you like a high in some sort of way, but in reality, it does nothing good for you emotionally or physically. And, and this kind of stuff both, both virtual and real physical experiences like are things that can be very, very damaging to not just teens, but adults and anyone who seeks them out in an unhealthy way. And so whenever I look at like this is that like I, I think that helps us understand why we crave that. Why that desire is in front of us is because it's so prevalent in our society today. And, and so now I want to talk about like why realistically this isn't something that we need. Like, and, and this is a hard thing to talk about because it is something that's so close and near and dear to our hearts that we think we want it so bad to hear someone tell us why we don't actually want it is like, oh, okay, you don't know me. But, but hear me out here. I don't think we need this because of how damaging it truly is to us. And, and, and I'm going to break this down for you. This, this culture and this idea of, of craving sex to the, to the degree that our society does, it creates a culture where men objectify and degrade women. It creates a culture where girls find their self-worth only through their body and their image. And, and, and it creates things that totally destroy who God has made us to be. For guys, God has created us to, to love and to take care of and to protect women. Like we can read scripture and we can see that, not to objectify them and view them as, as these just idols of their own affection and for girls guys you are you are made in the image of god himself like you are beautiful no matter what you look like no matter what you feel like you look like god has created you in his image and you are beautiful you don't need any guy or anybody to validate your self-worth through your image and i think that this comes through a lot in this, this super, super sensitive subject, and I have to deal with it every year when we go to camp, but this idea of dress code. And, and I look at this, and I see all the time girls wearing like super short shorts and like cut off t-shirts that like expose all sorts of stuff and everything. And like I hear this debate all the time go around of, well, this girl shouldn't have got sent home from school because her shirt was low cut or whatever. They need to just teach guys to be more respectful of women. Like I hear this debate back and forth. And in reality, <clears throat> this goes both ways, right? Men should be taught to respect women. And, and, if, it, and if something like that is happening, men should have enough like self-control to, 
to look the other way and to not be tempted by that. But, but girls, on the other hand, we, you guys, we, that was classic. Uh, (laughs) Girls, we have to, no, girls, like realistically, you have to be people who, who honor yourself by protecting your virtue. And I'm not saying that you need to like wear clothes that go down to your ankles and, and wrists and like keep everything covered up, you know, like, but I'm saying like, have some decency, Realize that if you wear things that do expose certain parts of your body, sadly, guys are going to notice. And if you don't want that, then don't do that. And, and you know, on, and we look at this and the fact that our, our culture and our society is so sex crazed on top of these things that we just talked about, that it perpetuates things like rape culture and the Me Too movement, which I think you guys all know what those things are. There are a number of diseases that you can get from this. And and let me tell you, and I'm not going to touch on this long because this is not like sex ed class right here. Okay, we're not going to talk about all the STDs that there are. But like whenever I think of humans, like in in a scientific perspective, okay, even if there is no creator who has created us and designed us to have sex with one another, like... From a natural selection perspective, if like STDs in a natural selection thing would get rid of people who crave to have sex a lot, right? Because they would get a disease and they would die. And then eventually that trait of having a high sex drive would die out in a population, right? That's how natural selection works. And so if, if we were designed <clears throat> to constantly have sex with people, then diseases would not be a part of that, right? So, so we have to look at the fact that there are so many diseases that can be acquired through this activity and say, that can't be something that is natural for humans. And people a lot of times just pass that off and be like, oh, we can, we can treat those or we can protect those. But realistically, those are the things that show us that this is not the lifestyle that humans were created to live. It's proof of that right there. <clears throat> so we have this idea of this perpetuating this culture where, where men don't treat women right and women don't view themselves in the right way. We look at this idea of the diseases that this causes in our culture. And then last, this whole idea of being sex crazed, it is damaging to our relationships. And if you don't believe me for a second... Look at the divorce rates that continue to climb in our society. And and I'm not going to say that every single divorce that has ever existed fits this criteria because they don't. That that, that happens for a number of reasons. But the fact that divorce rates have continued to climb as our society has gotten more and more loose with their morals regarding sexual activity is not a coincidence. And I believe that these two things have a strong correlation with each other. And what I think is that nowadays people are having sex in a relationship much earlier than they used to. You know, I, you always see on TV shows that like people are hooking up after like one date or, you know, they're like, oh, it's the third date. I'm like, man, my third date, I was still taking Haley to like get a snow cone. Like what in the world? Like this is crazy. But, but people are having sex earlier in relationships than ever before. And what they, what happens is they fall in love with the physical aspect of their partner rather than the emotional aspect of them. 
And when the physical relationship changes or stops altogether, they realize that they have no emotional connection and they're not compatible. And the easiest thing to do is just cut ties. And it's so sad to see when you see people like this who have this great physical connection, you know, and they, they seem to love each other in such this amazing way. And then something happens and their physical relationship isn't what it used to be. And their relationship just crumbles because that's all it was built on. Guys, I don't know if you realize the picture that I'm painting here, but this sex-crazed culture that we're all buying into is literally something that is tearing our society apart. And so if we sit here, and if you want to argue with me whenever I say that, we, that sex isn't what you want, I can prove to you from a, from a grand perspective of society that having people who constantly are desiring sex in any capacity is not what is healthy for a society to thrive. Regardless of religion or anything like that, just having people who are constantly driven by that is not something that is healthy for a society. And the only thing I can really point to in response to this is that it's not what God intended for us. And then I look to the scripture and I find that to be 100% accurate. That God did not design us to be people who are so sex crazed that we just go out and we sleep with whoever we want to. And, and real, realistically it proves on a grand scale why we should trust God and his plan and follow it to the best of our ability. Because we, when we choose as a whole to go against what God has ordained and what God has planned, we are literally left with a broken and disturbing world. So what does the Bible actually say about sex? You know, we've talked about why we think we want it, why in reality we shouldn't want it. It's something that's damaging, but what does the Bible say about it? You guys are at church. We should care about what the Bible says about sex. And believe it or not, the Bible is not against sex. This is a mind-blowing thing to some people. They think it's so anti-sex that the Bible just like screams abstinence from the rooftops that you should never have sex. In reality, it's just against sex in the wrong context. And if you want proof that the Bible is like all for sexual relations or intimate physical relationships, go read some of the Old Testament books that are about that. Okay, There are books that are like love letters written from King Solomon to his wives. And that we're not going to go into the fact that he had multiple wives, but like they were his wives. Okay, And he writes these like really like detailed, sometimes borderline graphic love letters that are in scripture. And so if the Bible was fully against this, man, those things wouldn't be in there. And, and we look at this, this idea that, that God has designed sex to be in the proper context. And believe it or not, sex is a part of the very first union and covenant created by God. If you look at Genesis 2.24, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become of one flesh. That is the first covenant and the first union and covenant created by God in the Bible is marriage. And sex is a part of that. And then not, not only is it a part of the first union and the first covenant, but it's also a part of the first blessing that God gives. If you go to Genesis 1.28, it says God blessed them by saying, be fruitful and multiply the earth. Which means make babies. And I don't think 
we're going to just stop there. So this idea that God is anti-sex is very much mistaken. God desires for each and every one of us to have a great and healthy sex life. To be emotionally and physically fulfilled in a relationship. And this relationship is not with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's with your husband or your wife. And when we understand that sex was designed by God to, on, to only be had in a marital context, it greatly increases our understanding of all the many verses in the New Testament discussing sexual immorality. And, and, and again, this proves that like this whole idea of our society now being sex crazed is not a new thing. Like people in the Bible times were obsessed with it too, okay? But we look at like verses like 1 Corinthians 7, 2. It says, because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, woman, and each woman should have her own husband. See, God acknowledges that he created us with a sexual desire. And he created us to enjoy sex within the context of marriage. So, so, that we could, so that we could take this desire that we have and channel it in the right direction, right? Focus it in the right way. And if, and if our society understood that and embraced that to a greater degree, then I think many or all the problems that we talked about earlier would begin to disappear. If people truly cared about being physically and emotionally attracted to one another, I think divorce rates would go down. If people cared more about being in a marriage before they had sex, then there wouldn't be this idea that I need to objectify every woman who's scantily clad. Guys, we, we have to realize as, as people of God that we need to be the example for our society. Like, I, I, can't, I can't get the ear of every person in America. I'm not the president, okay? I think I might do it. Never mind. I can see you. I can see you. Better job? No, better. Oh, uh, but anyway, I can't say this to all of America to go, hey, you really need to stop having sex because it's destroying our society. But I can tell you guys... And I can hope and I can pray that you guys take this seriously and that you live your lives devoted to God and to show people that this is the way to live your life and that you would be people who help to repair our society. <coughs> and that's hard. Like sometimes, sometimes you feel alone. I mean, there were times whenever I was in conversations when like literally every other guy in the group was like, yeah, man, I've had sex with five women. Oh, I've had sex with four women. You know, like, and they're like, Brian, how many? And I'm like, uh, zero. And they're like, what? What? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not married, you idiots. Like, it's not hard. But, um, but we have to be people who, even though it's awkward in that moment, like, do you think? <laughs> I like to, I like to look back at my high school years and think I was like zero because I'm awesome. No, I was more like, I was really like, I really don't want to say. Please don't call on me right now. I don't want to talk about it. Like, because it's, it, it feels isolating. and You feel like you're alone. But we have to be proud of the fact that we serve God more than we serve these things of the world. 
And, and, and there's one more thing real quick I want to touch on because this gets asked to me all the time. Like this is one of the really popular like youth questions that, get, that they ask their youth pastor is how far is too far biblically? Like how far can I go with my boyfriend or girlfriend and still not be sinning? Like, okay, okay. And here's how I always answer this. This is my answer, and I'm just going to literally say it, and we're going to leave it there, okay? My answer is, if you're asking yourself that question, you've gone too far. Just realistically. If you're asking yourself, is this too far? Yes. It is. Okay? Now, unless you're sitting there going, if I hold his hand, am I sinning? Like, okay, but like, so like, but realistically, if you start having the real conversation with yourself of, <laughs> of, is this too far to go in my relationship? The answer is almost always yes. That is my general rule of thumb. If you think, if you're having to think about, is it too far? It is too far. But as Christians, we have to understand, we have to understand this impact that we can have on culture and that, that our job, right? Like when we look at this idea that Jesus was, Jesus came to earth to seek and save the lost, right? He came to heal the world in a way. And, and in the same vein, if we are to live our lives like Christ, we are to be people who also heal the world. And, and so if we look at from, from this perspective, if we are the beacons of, of godliness to show people that this life is not all about like finding the next sexual event, but rather it's about seeking God and following him. We can be the people who are Christ-like in the way that we are helping to heal this world because it is broken because of this idolatry of sin. We have to understand the personal and cultural impact of rejecting an idolatry of sexual desire. And embrace God's desire and God's plan for your life and for this world that he's created. It's hard. Like, I, I, I remember whenever I was a teenager, like, it's really, really difficult. You, you think that's what you want. You, you, like, that's all you can think about sometimes. Like, I get it. But if we, if we focus our minds instead on what God desires for us than what we desire for ourselves, we are so better off. So better off. So be people who seek God rather than these sexual experiences. I'm going to pray for you guys and then we'll get out of here. God, thank you so much for your perfect design that you have for us. And God, God honestly, I thank you for, for this activity of sex that you have created for us to have with our husband or wife. God, I, I thank you that you have given us this and you have created it in, in a place where we can enjoy this. But I pray that you would help these students to understand that this is not something to be taken lightly. This is not something to, to just be okay with our society focusing on. God, I pray that you would help us to be people who reject the sexual temptations of this world and to seek after you instead, God. I pray for these students. I know that it is challenging to go through their daily lives as teenagers 
being bombarded with this idea of sex constantly. And I just pray that you would just protect them, that you would shield them from that, that you would guide, that you would guard their hearts and their ears and their eyes, that, that you would just keep that away from them, that they would not be tempted by that, God. Pray that you would watch over them. I pray that you would just bless them as they go from here. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.